This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So it's South America, not South Africa. But uh, the southern tip of South America is where an asteroid is uh, going to zip past. Later today, I think late afternoon, our time. Now, this will be well above the southern tip of South America, about 3,600 kilometers. But for reference, that's a lot closer to us than a lot of the satellites that orbit Earth. So this is going to be, I guess, what you call a near miss or a very close pass by an asteroid. One of the closest, maybe the closest ever recorded. We'll find out. Now, this asteroid is estimated to be somewhere between, I guess, about four to eight meters. So kind of like a truck size asteroid. So not cataclysmic uh, planet destroying stuff, but the size of an asteroid that if it slammed into Earth could certainly cause some damage. And here's the other, I guess, troubling aspect to all of this. Uh, the asteroid is known as 2023 BU. 2023, because that's when it was discovered, as in this year, as in within the last week, was spotted uh, on Saturday by an amateur astronomer based out of Crimea. So we don't have a lot of advance notice when it comes to these smaller asteroids. Now, in all likelihood, if it was headed toward us, it would burn up somewhat, at least, in Earth's atmosphere. But we would prefer to avoid that. Like I say, it is uh, almost certainly going to uh, pass by us. But uh, joining us to talk a bit more, uh, very pleased to welcome to the program here this morning, one of the country's leading asteroid experts, uh, Dr. Paul Wieger who's with Western University's Institute for Earth and Space Exploration. Professor Wiga, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. So, uh, uh, truck size, I guess that's the term we're using to sort of put it into context for people somewhere between four and eight meters. Is that our, our best guess on the size of this thing? Yeah, so it's a pretty big rock, but uh, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's not really in the planet killer regime by any means. And if it were headed in our direction... Would How much would our, our atmosphere kind of shield us from this, or at least maybe break down this, this asteroid? It would provide a lot of protection. So even though this is a pretty big rock, um, the Earth's atmosphere is about 100 kilometers or so of air, which is actually enough to, um, because the asteroid is coming in at a high speed, friction with the air heats it up, you get a shooting star, a really bright fireball, in fact, and that heat um, breaks it down. So almost all of it would be destroyed if it was going to hit the Earth. But occasionally, uh, with these larger asteroids, you do get some larger fragments, meteorites, which can survive and actually fall down to the ground. But it would be a pretty small fraction of the overall, of the overall object. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, an asteroid of that size, something truck size, uh, crashing into the Earth, what, what kind of damage would we be talking about? Well, the, because the asteroid shield, uh, the atmosphere, sorry, shields us, um, there isn't really much damage in this case. You get, you might get um, some rumbling in the atmosphere or some loud noises and so forth. Now, if it were, if we didn't have the atmosphere, 
then a big rock traveling, you know, at these kinds of speeds hitting the surface could cause a lot of damage, maybe make a big crater and so forth. Um, we're fortunate to have the Earth's atmosphere to protect us from these objects. Yeah, and that's encouraging. Now, it, it, around 3,600 kilometers uh, is, is where this is expected to pass. So that's, that's, I suppose, a safe enough distance, maybe close enough to make us nervous. But does that get close enough that this is going to, to burn up at all? Is this likely to shed anything, or are we just going to kind of watch it go by? We will essentially just watch it go by. So the Earth's atmosphere extends up to about 100 kilometers or so. It kind of tapers off a little bit, but once you get more than 100 kilometers from the surface, you're considered to be in space. And so this asteroid is going to pass at about 3,600 kilometers, so really well outside uh, the Earth's atmosphere. So if there's anyone uh, on the southern tip of South America uh, with a small telescope, they could watch it go by, but it's not going to be, uh, it's not going to put on a fireworks show for us. Now, is this likely to be, though, uh, the closest pass or something close to it in terms of what's been recorded? Yes, it is, um, at least in terms of asteroids which have not hit us. So there actually have been a few asteroids in the past where we saw them, you know, before they uh, passed closest to our planet, and they did actually strike us. In this case is a, is a near miss. The other ones um, ha- have actually hit us. So technically those are closer to us. But this is the, the closest one that we've seen, and it's going to miss us, the closest approach that we've uh, been able to detect before it happens. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, I mentioned the other aspect of the story, that this was just discovered within the last week, and it actually happened to be an amateur astronomer who discovered this. So what kind of system exists then to, to note these, to report these, to make decisions on how or whether to respond to these? Yeah, so that's a great question. So there are a number of programs, a number of telescopes around the world that are scanning the sky um, nightly to look for asteroids which are get, you know, getting close to us that might be a threat. But this is a, a great example of how difficult it is to do that work. Even though this one was coming towards us, it was only discovered a few days ago. And part of the reason for that is it is relatively small. I mean, it's the size of a truck. But it's traveling so fast that five days ago, it was millions of kilometers from us. And so uh, astronomers who are looking for these things have to scan the whole sky, looking for these very, very faint objects, still very, very far away. Um, and it, it's just not all that easy to do. So we can find these things, uh, but for, for some of them, we d- really don't see them until they're, you know, you know, in astronomical terms, pretty close by. Well, that's the balance, isn't it? I mean, realistically, you know, we maybe set the threshold higher for the ones that really concern us, and those would also be ones that are somewhat easier to spot. So the further down you go, I guess the harder the job is, and that, that's just kind of the nature of our technology and, and the size of these objects, right? Yeah, so that's exactly right. So 
Um, larger objects are easier to see, and those are the ones which are usually the more dangerous ones. So the 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 asteroids that are of more concern, we tend to see them er, you know, earlier, further away, and we get more warning time. But asteroids do stretch down to these relatively small sizes, and and even beyond. If you go out at, at night and watch a meteor shower, or happen to see a falling star or a shooting star, what you're actually seeing there is really a very small asteroid, maybe the size of a pea, that's burning up in the Earth's atmosphere. And of course, there's no way we can spot something that small before it gets to us. So that's a great description of the the challenge that astronomers are are facing here. You've got wide range of sizes, um, some very small, some much larger. But the good news is, yes, that the larger ones are much easier to spot at larger distances. And those are the ones we're most worried about, too. So we can see those long before they become a problem. Yeah. Uh, on a much more pleasant note, I did want to ask about this this comet that's set to, to uh, pass closer yeah. to Earth later this month. C2022E3, uh, I, I believe is the name. Maybe we need to come up with something more fun for that. But <laughs> what do we know about this, this comet? What are you going to be watching for? Yeah, so this is another uh, interesting object in the night sky coming by. It will be at its closest to the Earth um, at, right at the very beginning of February, February 1st or February 2nd, depending on exactly what time zone you're in. Uh, but we've been tracking that now for over a year. Uh, and it, unfortunately, will probably not become bright enough to be seen with the naked eye, but it can be um, discerned uh, relatively easily with a pair of binoculars or, or a small telescope. And it's really interesting because it's, it's, it's passing nowhere near as close as this asteroid. It's still relatively far away, millions of kilometers even now, mm-hmm. and it won't become dangerous. But it's an unusual green color. Um, so that's kind of exciting. It's not the first comet to be observed to show a green color, but uh, most of them are usually more in the whitish or bluish category. And so that tells us something uh, interesting is going on there in terms of this comet's composition. So we'll be watching that one as it comes by as well. Well, do we know the, the composition or what weight might give it that hue? We think we do understand what that is. It's actually kind of a tricky problem because the chemical that is giving it this green glow is not something that we have on Earth. It's too volatile to exist on Earth. It would just sort of burn up. And it's a molecule which is called dicarbon. It's two carbon atoms joined together, and it can't exist on Earth, but it can exist in space. Hmm. And so the comet releases this, um, this dicarbon molecule, and it glows when sunlight shines on it. So the green glow we're seeing is, is from this molecule. So we do know what's going on uh, inside this particular comet, though we don't know why, why the green, comet is, green comets are rare, but we, we, we think we at least know what's going on with this one. Well, it'll be interesting. And hey, you know, if you miss it, uh, don't worry. You'll have another chance in, what, 50,000 years? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> on the next right. go-around. Uh, really enjoy it. <laughs> and, and I guess the good news is, you know, for folks in Canada, um, we've kind of got a better view maybe than, than other parts, right? It sounds like the more northerly you are, maybe the better chance you have, at least with binoculars, of, of catching a glimpse. Yes, yes. It's very nicely placed in the northern hemisphere. It does move from night to night, though. So if you're going to go look for this thing, it would be helpful to find a map online or something like that. But if you do have a small pair of binoculars, it will be passing at times over the next few days close to the North Star even. So uh, really well positioned in the northern skies. All right. We'll leave it there. Paul, appreciate the insight on all of this. Thanks so much for making some time for us here this morning.